This show is brought to you by Female Alliance Media, by women, for women. Hello, and welcome to the Say It Out Loud podcast. I am your host, Christine Daynard, and the goal of this podcast is to encourage you to live your best and most authentic life by digging deeper and finding connection through vulnerability. I believe we have been taught that vulnerability is a weakness, when in fact, it is our superpower. In this space, I will share personal stories and conversations with others so you can be empowered by their strength and inspired to take action in your own life. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get started. Well, welcome back to the Say It Out Loud podcast with me, Christine D. I am so excited you're back and I have a really fantastic guest with me today that I cannot wait to introduce you to. You know, I have known you, Jen, for now, well, it's got to be at least four years because that's how long your business has been running. Mm -hmm. And for those of you listening who don't know, I used to run wine tours and I would take people from KW out to Norfolk County and I met this amazing woman I'm about to introduce you to and I was immediately drawn to her energy. There was something about her vibe, her ability to build community and to just be personable and love people. And I just was immediately drawn to her and we started working together and she became uh, a stop on my tours and I couldn't help but take people there. And people always wanted to come back like every, are we going to that place? And I'm like, oh, not today or yes today or whatever. So without further ado, I am super excited to introduce you to Jen Hewitson of the Barntique Canada here in Norfolk (laughs) County, just outside Simcoe in a little town called Walsh. And uh, man, it feels good to be here. It's been a while since <laughs> I was here. It's been a while. Jen, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me. Thank you for having me. So can you maybe help give our listeners a little idea, you know, what you do and what you're all about, and then we'll maybe go backwards a little bit and talk about some how Absolutely. you kind of got here. And Hey, everyone. Um, it's Jen Hewitson, owner of The Barntique, like as Christine just mentioned. Yep. Um, I have been in business for, well, this is my fifth season, so since 2019. Um, the Barntique is just a seasonal artisan boutique. Um, and we, oh gosh, this year I think there's 128 vendors Holy I've accepted. Holy moly, seriously? <laughs> so it is, um, it is just like a retail store. Everybody comes and they set up their booth and I sell, or Jen, my employee, sells on their behalf. Um, it's, yeah, it's quite the... Quite, quite the place to be. The experience of coming to the farm and driving down that really long laneway and yeah. having, you know, almost like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, uh, which is the Barntique. Um, yeah, and we have people that come from all over to shop in the barn and... We just have a lot of fun here. Oh my gosh. It's so, so Jen is super <laughs> humble. So here I'm going to tell you that, that this is a cool experience. So I always would tell people on my tours, okay, guys, we're going to the barn teak and they're like the barn, what? And I'd be like the barn teak. It's where it's a boutique in a barn mm-hmm. and it is everything you would imagine in a barn that animals used to live in, but don't any longer. No, but it's beautified into this very feminine space. Does not smell like a barn. Either. No, it does not smell like a barn. It is beautiful. And. And the country drive to get here is really lovely, yes. certainly if you're not from the area. 
and there are vendors set up everywhere. And in fact, the first year that you ran the business, yep. I mean, you didn't have 120 some no. odd vendors at that time. No. How many did you have? 26. 26. 26 of us. Wow. <laughs> Talk about growth. That's I amazing. was also a vendor. So <laughs> that is amazing. Okay. So, so clearly listeners, you have got to make your way up to Norfolk County. I have talked about this in my podcast before, <laughs> but certainly making the Barntique a yeah. place that you have to visit. And we'll talk about that more at the end. So Jen, to give people a picture, um, every year you have applicants that yes. apply to be artisans in your shop. Yes. So the first year you had 28, mm-hmm. that's just 26, 26, 20, 26, sorry, 26. And, and this year you have 120 some odd yes. artisans. 129. 28 or 29. Same thing. So when Quite you, a lot. I can't even imagine because <laughs> this is the selection process. Yes. So how does that work? So the way that it works in the bar antique is that, um, my applications usually come out February 1st. Um, last year I implemented two seasons. So two split seasons, but anyway, we'll go into that. Um, vendors apply. Yep. And then I hand select. I do have a team that does help me. I brought in like artisans. So people from last season or the season before, I have a few people that help me because nobody knows their craft better than them. Mm. And ultimately, when I first started doing this, I was thinking, okay, maybe like maybe I shouldn't ask them because, I mean, they're potentially selecting their competition. But they don't look at it that way. They look at it as a community and they want the Barantique to succeed and they want everybody to succeed. And this is what I've grown. So every single application we go through and they look at, so I'll have like one vendor that looks at jewelry, jewelry vendors specifically. Hmm. And then I have one person that looks at crocheted items. And then I have one that looks at the food, all the applications. And then ultimately we have a, big dinner party (laughs) or lunch or whatever. I usually make a huge charcuterie and um, we just sit down and go through applications and I go through every single category with them, what their top 10 are. And then I hand select, I have the ultimate decision, but we sit there and we discuss it. Wow. It is quite a process. (laughs) It's a huge process. And so I I just, just let's, let's go backwards for a second. Cause I feel like I missed asking like, what was it that inspired the Barntique to begin with? Okay. How did this get started? And, and how did you come up with this selection process? Like how did that come about? Um, the way that it happened is kind of a fluke. Hmm. Um, I am also an artisan myself. I have been since 2015. Uh, we moved to the farm and of course, you know, being on mat leave, my daughter was 10 days old when we moved to the farm and I couldn't sit still. So anyway, we moved to the farm and there was tons of birds. And I said to my husband, we should really build a birdhouse. Like, let's build a birdhouse. we got this cool shop. Like, you have all the tools. You're a carpenter and contractor. Um, so we built a birdhouse. And then the next thing you know, my mother-in-law wanted a birdhouse. And my friend wanted a birdhouse. And then we started making birdhouses, which was crazy to me because I am so not a crafty person, I thought. Like, I've always been, I don't know, creative, but not using power tools and table saws and cutting all the things. That's crazy. Wow. Um, Yeah. So then I started the rustic feather because, of course, you know, birdhouses and birds and feathers and... Um, so I started the rustic feather 
And then with that, I gained quite the popularity. I had my business for, well, four years. And then I started the Bar Antique based on that and going to shows and meeting other artisans and, you know, doing, you know, craft shows at Crafts of the Kiln and, and being in certain stores like the Handmade House and the Waterford Antique Market. And I just built relationships. And then, yeah, we were sitting here one day and I think I had to go out to the barn for something. I don't know. I think it was an old, I think there was an old gas can, like tin gas can that I was going to create something. And it was full of pigeons. Like the barn was full of pigeons. Like there was holes in the roof and it was just gross. And there was a lot of, a lot of dirt. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I came back from the barn after grabbing whatever I needed to grab. And I said to my husband, I said, you know, we should really turn that barn into a store. And he was like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) And I said, we should turn the barn into a store. Like we could clear it out and, you know, clean up, clean it up and, and get rid of the pigeons and, you know, scrape the floors with all the pigeon poop. Cause there was literally a runway of pigeon poop. And like, we had to use a floor scraper to get all that off. Wow. And, uh, yeah, he was unimpressed with my enthusiasm of that we were going to do this. And, uh, when I started you know, I rented a bin and opened up the barn door and started chucking stuff out. He was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And of course, because, you know, whenever you're going to open something like this up, you have to do it legally and properly and go through the proper channels, um, which I never understood. Never knew that you actually had to do that in the paperwork and all the logistics of you know, actually opening up a business and doing that. So I um, set up an appointment with the Norfolk County, the planning department. And yeah, I brought one single piece of paper, one, with a paper pencil drawing of the measurements of the barn. (laughs) And I said, hi, I'm Jen Hewitson. Um, I want to open up this store in my big beautiful barn and um, it'll bring a lot of tourism (laughs) I think that's all I said and I remember the lady was like pardon (laughs) like what do you want to do then she set me up with all the proper channels and then we had to meet with the planning department and the building inspectors and you know I, I thought it would be easy and then I was like oh yeah I actually have to like like work at this like I actually have to have like what do you mean I have to get engineers and have engineer drawings and the you know, yeah, I thought it would be easy, and then it wasn't. <laughs> That's so funny, though. Like, it's such a classic, you know, I always tell people, if I had known how much stuff I was going to have to do that I oh, never yeah. anticipated in my business, yep. I probably never would have started it. Never. But we start these things out of this passion, right? Yep. This idea, 100%. this way to, you know, provide a, a service or yep. to solve a problem yep. or, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden you're knee deep in paperwork and you're like, <laughs> what? I didn't sign up for this. This isn't fun. <laughs> I don't want to do this. What do you mean I actually have to work? I just want to make shit look pretty. Like, that's basically what I was thinking. I was like, I could throw up a couple, you know, shelves and people can put their stuff on and proof it's done. But no, it was, it was a lot of work, like a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of money, like ridiculous amount of money, which I still to this day, like almost internally 
vomit because it was <laughs> a lot of money. Um, well, just just prime example, like for engineers. Oh yeah. Like an engineer drawing. He, the guy didn't even come here. You know what I mean? Like he didn't even come here physically, but I had to send him the measurements and then he had to just so he can put a stamp on it. Yeah. You know, is, is a lot. Yeah. And I think that, you know, opening up a business is great, but you better have an open pop- pocketbook for <laughs> what's about to come. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, especially cause you're building a brick and mortar, right? Yes. Not everybody builds a brick and mortar business. No. And, you know, I think the beauty of that and like the part of the, you know, when you can look back and go, okay, yes. Like I, I spent all this time doing things I never imagined I would do. No. I had to put money into this building. I never mm-hmm. imagined I would have to do. Mm-hmm. And, but when you look back, like, you know, I mean, I see that and I go, Jen, like you did some really hard things that you never expected. Like, how cool is it to be here now and be like, whoa, like that's behind me. I was able to get through those hard times and, you know, those, the red tape. I didn't realize I was going to have to work with, right? No, exactly. Um, So. It's, 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 it's good to look back and actually like having this and talking about it, it, it's bringing it to the forefront of like, wow. I went through some heavy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like I really did a lot and it was just me. Like my husband, of course, helped me clean the pigeon poop and all that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was just us. We didn't, we didn't take any grants. We didn't take any loans. We, we paid for every single thing out of our pocket from, you know, the gravel in our laneway that was full of potholes, but we had to have it. Right. So it was, um, it was definitely a dream and it's came to fruition the last four well this will be our fifth season and now we're going to be adding more every year we add more because you can't stay stagnant in this world yeah because the minute that you you are not pushing or trying to better yourself people get bored and they're like mm. oh, i've already been there i've already i've already seen that you have to build an excitement for people to come back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you don't, then unfortunately, you you have to, I don't want to say close up. You just have to figure out a way to make it all work. Make it all mesh and... Yeah. That's well, and really, like, listen to your customers, right? 100%. Because, like, this is a, a project that you chose to do, and you had a passion behind, and you were an artisan as well. So mm-hmm. you could see the value in bringing other artisans together. Yeah. Like, I remember, you know, when you were launching this business, I think I had already been in my business for about a year. I think so. And we had met each other on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember how I, I fell know. upon you or you, me, whatever. Um, but we met on Instagram, and yeah. I just, I was drawn to your energy then. Yeah. And I remember you messaging me and saying, uh, you know, I'm going to be leveling up this rustic feather yeah. and I'm going to be building this, this barn teak oh, and it'll yeah. be really amazing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds so cool. Let's and, do it. you know, and then we were talking oh, yeah. about, you know, we were going to do workshops in oh, yes. like, cause now oh, you gosh. don't have the space in there, but yeah. before you had almost that back area yep. that I had where, for workshops. right. You did for, you had for workshops. And so we were going to do that. And then, but I was so new and it just wasn't catching yet. No. And that part just never happened, but it's cool to Didn't we do one. Uh, I don't think we did. I, we, we were planning on them, but then okay, for whatever not. reason, I think that they just never, they okay. just never came to fruition. But okay. I just think it's so neat how, you know, it's like <laughs> I some days hate technology and I hate yep. that we're so social dependent, yep. like, uh, you know, internet social dependent. But I think that it also brings 
really cool things together and makes things happen that yeah. you could never have dreamt before. No. Um, so I, I think that part of it's really, really cool. And mm-hmm. honestly, like walking in this barn from day one with your 26 or 28 vendors and seeing it today is just like mind blown. <laughs> Every time I come in, every season I would come back with my tours and I would be like, oh my gosh, Jen, you did it again. Like, you just made it look different again. You know, it's like, oh, and there's, it's like one of those places for our listeners who are listening. It's one of those places that when you come here, mm-hmm. take a few minutes to stop and stand where you are in a few places in the barn and just look around mm-hmm. because there's all these little details that you don't even notice if you're not paying attention. And then when you stop and look up or look over <laughs> your shoulder or something, there's always something yeah. that, really just creates uh, an ambiance mm-hmm. in the space. It's really quite beautiful. So I find this also fascinating because I didn't know all of your story before, which is funny because <laughs> I've now known you for like four years. Um, but I'm curious. So you you got this started after having Matt leave and kind of started to yep. get creative and artistic and yep. creating your own things. And then you b- built and developed this whole idea for the Barntique. But prior to that, prior to you becoming a mom yep. or a new mom, yep. um, again, mom, I guess, yeah, yeah. is what were you doing before that? And how did you come? Like, because I, I know parts of your story. <laughs> But I'm I'm sure our listeners would be like, what? She did what? Like, I just think it's so cool. So can you tell our listeners maybe a couple pieces of your story? Man. If you can think of a couple, you know, yeah. like I think for me, like I went from working uh, in sales and then I went corporate after yeah. going back to school and then I launched a business. So like yeah. there's all these pivotal moments that happen that kind of push us to the next thing. Absolutely. So what were a couple of those things for you? Well, I was a um, young mom. I had my son when I was 18, Mm -hmm. Um, actually got pregnant when I was 17 and had him when I was 18. I, yeah, that was tough. Mm. That was tough. Being a single young mom, I did finish high school. Good for you. Um, Put him in childcare at the high school and finished school. (laughs) Um, And then when I finished high school, I decided that I was going to move away. I'm from Waterford. That is my hometown. Um... I moved away and I moved to Hamilton. I thought maybe it would be, uh, you know, exciting in the big city, <laughs> a little country bumpkin, you know, moving to the big city. Um, that was the wrong choice. <laughs> well, actually, I would argue that I don't think it was wrong because it brought you here. Right? Oh, it was so hard. I mean, I'd walk down the street with with my son and I'd say hi and I'd talk to people and they just head down, don't want to talk to me. And I'm like, oh, what is happening? It was a total culture shock. I was like do they not like me like because Waterford I mean the population was like 1500 back then yeah now it's grown a lot um everybody knew everybody everybody knew all about my business you know they'd be telling my parents oh did you know that Jenny was you know at the pizza shop at six o'clock and she was supposed anyway um yeah so that was a big culture shock and then I moved to Kitchener no way I did not know I did I moved to Kitchener I lived on Oxbridge Crescent Huh. Um, and yeah, Jake, my son, he went to kindergarten there. I stayed there for, I don't know, maybe two years. Hated it. <laughs> so clearly the city, city was city not for you. I'm just not a city person. I, it just, it's so busy. It's so busy for me and I'm so personable and I find that everybody was just in a hurry and yeah. I, I just, I, I want to chill. Yeah. I just want to be in my own element. Um, but anyway, after Kitchener, I moved to Brantford. Okay. And then w- and in Brantford is where 
you're never going to get this. I was a welder. I got a job as a welder. My dad was a welder. I was like, you know what? I'm a single mom. <laughs> I need to do something with my life, make some money. Um, and yeah, I became a welder. I was a welder wow. for 10 years. What? 10 years? I ten didn't years. know it was 10 years. Yeah. I knew you were a welder, but I didn't yeah. know. It. So in order to get into welding, what did yeah. you need to Schooling, like? Schooling, tickets. Okay. Yep. Okay. All the things. Yeah. I was a welder for 10 years. Wow. And it was tough. I bet. It was a tough industry. Um, great money. Phenomenal money. I uh, met a lot of really awesome people and a lot of really crabby people. I bet. Um, well, it's probably yeah. also very, like, it's a male-dominated 100%. Industry. There and was so, two women right? like, out of 100 men. I like, can't imagine. I mean, I worked in sales, and it was majority men. Yeah. And that was a struggle. Absolutely. But I was in retail sales. Yeah. It, it wasn't, you know, welding. No. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I, so I, I, I know the slack and the, and the, oh, I mean, I could put all kinds of terrible terms with some yeah. of the things I experienced, but I can only imagine that was tenfold. Oh yes. Being in that It business. was tough. It was tough. There huh. was a lot of, a lot of things that they got away with that when they would never get away with now. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I learned to stand my ground, mm. keep my head up and push through it. And I think that's what kind of gave me a little bit of backbone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I was, you know, not timid, but very energetic and outgoing and carefree and trusting. And I think having that job and that experience really toughened me up to be like, you know what? You're not going to walk all over me. You're not going to talk to me like that. I am going to set my boundaries and I'm going to be stronger and I'm going to get through all of the shit that I had to get through it right so yeah it was um it was a good experience but it was tough yeah it was tough it was it was a lot great money though <laughs> I've heard that I know a few welders and especially especially if you're doing like underwater welding I hear is like but it's most no. dangerous but it's yes. also most yeah no but but knowing that like saying that it's funny because I mean I know you today I didn't yeah. know you when you were a welder no um but I, even I know through experience like even in my career when I made really great money yeah. I was still never really satisfied no. like I wasn't no. really fulfilled in it it no. was like just this thing that I did yep. it wasn't something that I went home and was like oh I feel really good about this thing that I do no. you know no um so so what no, what worked... happened after that like how did you shift out of that where what happened um, well it's funny because literally the company that I worked for went bankrupt oh shit no yeah. way well I mean like it, it, it's 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 unfortunate of course um we knew it was coming they went bankrupt and I was like huh what the hell am I going to do now? And just like you said, it didn't, it didn't bring me joy. It brought me a lot of trauma. Yeah. Being in this industry. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Do I want, do I want to go back into this and get another job and have to deal with the whole crew of different men mm -hmm. and go through the same crap that I just went through for the last 10 years? Not, it wasn't all bad. Like it, I would say 80% was great. Mm -hmm. There was that 20% that was like, okay. Um, so I decided to go back to school. And I went to school for policing. What? <laughs> <laughs> My brain is exploding right now. I did not know this about you. Yeah. That's what I love about these conversations. You learn so many cool things about people. Okay, so you're in school for policing. Yep, I was going to be a cop. 100%. Full out. Like, 100%. Like, 
went to school, um, did great, excelled in everything, honors, all the things. Um, I was very fit then. <laughs> we all were back then. <laughs> I was fit too. It's okay. Um, we're yeah. beautiful beings no matter what our, 100%. yes. 100%. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was in my first year and I was living, I went back to Waterford. I was living in Waterford and I ended up moving back home because my dad got sick Mm. so to take care of my dad so I was also going to school for policing taking care of my son who was oh gosh I think he was about 10 at the time 10 no 11 okay yeah ish maybe I'm trying to date myself um (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and then moved back home with my 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 parents to take care of my dad went to school kind of regrouped yeah um worked at a butcher shop <laughs> and yeah and then I met my husband my potential husband no way yeah well, I'm actually curious how you and Tim met because I don't think wild. I've ever actually told I've never heard <laughs> heard this story either so let's let's go there okay so um the way that I met my husband which aka apparently he has a nickname uh the barntique babe <laughs> Well, he is an attractive guy. I mean, there's no, and and the thing is, he's like, he's a good man. Yes. You know, he, he works with his hands, you know, he's, and he's like a rustic farm kind of guy, right? Bearded man that you would, yeah. Definitely, you know, attractive qualities there. I just find it funny because he's so shy and so like. Yeah, he is so painfully shy. (laughs) So I actually told that to a customer once and I didn't realize that down the lane when he was working in the garden and she's like hey Bartik babe he comes into the barn and was like who the hell was that and I was like what are you talking about and he's like why are they calling me Bartik babe you're the and I was like oh sorry about that he was so mad so now everybody knows sorry Tim it's fine it's okay you can gawk just don't touch I love it Uh, um so yeah I was moving so I moved back home to take care of my dad and it's funny because I was driving down the street and there's this delicious man (laughs) in (laughs) a tool belt swim shorts no shirt and work boots working on this house Mm. and I literally did like you know what is that chicken chicken head what is it called I don't know where you're like term I'm not. A, I'm not. A, where I'm you're not driving. A where you're driving, and you're like, you can't even watch the road because you're looking back. Oh, I don't know what the term is for that. Maybe our listeners <sighs> can em- fill in it's the blanks for us. That was really but basically, stupid. you were taken by surprise, and so one hundred percent because I was like, okay, almost I like grew, whiplash. I grew up in Waterford. I know everything that's in Waterford, including the men. <laughs> he was new. <laughs> Gotta love small towns, man. Gotta love small towns. So, but this is on my street. So I was like, okay, whatever. I ended up just going home, whatever, and going to school still, like, head down, doing my all my stuff. Um, and then friends of mine, they were like, hey, you should really join our ball team. I was like, oh, man, I haven't, tri- I haven't played ball in years, and I'm too busy. I got you know, two jobs and going to school and taking care of my dad and my, my son and da 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 da. They're like, you need time. Just come. It's Thursday nights. Just come play. It's an hour. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll come and play. Because they needed girls, I think it was. I pull up with my ball bag, my brand new one, because I didn't, you know, play for a long time. 
And there's the hot swim trunk guy on my team. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Totally are you meant kidding to me? me? <laughs> totally meant to be, honestly. And I'm like, what the heck? So I was, of course, being very shy and didn't talk to him. Well, he played center field. I played left. And he was flirting with me. I'm like, this is weird. I have like, you know, an 11 year old boy. I'm, you know, cl- totally closed off. Yeah. Not interested. Yeah. Um, anyway, everybody, of course, because with ball, there's drinking. I don't drink. Mm-hmm. So I would never go back to Beer Kitty. I would, it wasn't my thing. I would just go home and study for tests or, I don't know, take care of dad and take care of my son. Well, my friends were like, you need to come back just once. Just come back to Beer Kitty. Just sit with us. You can have a coffee. You can have a, you know, fake drink or whatever. I was like, okay, one time. So we had already gotten to know each other. Not like know each other, but there was like a little bit of innocent flirting. But I was like, there's no way he's interested in me. Like this guy's totally drop dead. And I'm a single mom. Um, no, so he he was there. And Jen got into the drinks a little bit. Uh-oh. That was bad. <laughs> and then we've been inseparable. <laughs> From that day. Really? From Beer Kitty. That Beer Kitty. Yeah, it was, it was like, what the heck happened? I didn't realize, like, Tim's five years younger than me. Huh. And, uh, yeah, so we, I didn't realize that he, I thought he was just a bad boy, you know, young kid, because not young kid. He was, like, 26 when we first met. Yeah, well, he wanted a family, and he wanted to settle down, and I was just looking to have have fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no, we've been together, yeah, like... 13, 14 years, married wow. for 10, 11. It'll be married for 11 this year. Well, that's amazing. So basically, he took on like your mini family. Yeah. Like you and your son yep. as a young mom. Yeah, he like totally stepped up. So this is where the policing comes in and why I'm not a police officer. Oh, interesting. <laughs> the plot thickens. So I had, like I said, I was going to school for policing. Started my second year. And I found out with my, actually, it was my certificate of results. So I was the final testing, you know, sit down with the sergeant, have the interview with the OPP, do all that. Um, I went for my testing and I found out I was pregnant. (gasps) (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So I, yeah, I found out that I was pregnant with our son and we had only been dating for like seven months. Wow. So to go 12 years of, you know, yeah. having, being a single mom. And, uh, yeah, so I found out I was pregnant with, with Avery, our, our, our son. And I kind of took a step back and was like, you know what? I don't need to be a cop. I don't want to be a cop with a little baby. Teach their own. I just felt like it wasn't my time. Hmm. I needed, th- this happened for a reason. And I needed to focus on that. Wow. Raising him. So it was wild. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. So here you find yourself in this relationship, yep. your fairly new relationship. Yeah. Now you're having a baby. Yeah. Wow. And um, so we've left uh, welding behind. Yeah. Policing is behind us. Yeah. Um, and then so obviously Avery comes. Yep. And then so what happened next? <laughs> I stayed at home for a while. And then of course, because I like can't sit still. Yeah. Um, I ended up getting a job as a cosmetician 
No way. Wild. So crazy. You went from welding to cosmetician. Yes. Like, no, like the man's world to the woman's <laughs> world, basically. That's hilarious. Completely out in left field. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was the manager. And actually at Rolston's and I took care of the gift wear department. I took care of the cosmetics. I also did wedding makeup. I did all the things, but it was retail as well, which I had never really worked in. Like it wasn't really my jive. Yeah. But it was wild because I made all these beautiful displays out of all the giftware and people really enjoyed them. Like I would, I would dress up with a mannequin or do this display the next minute. Everything off the shelf is sold. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> so I really had a knack and an eye for design of retail. Um, yeah. And then I, uh, I just always enjoyed doing things like that. And people really enjoyed meeting me and talking to me. And I built re- relationships with my customers and they would come in specifically for me um, just to talk. Hmm. But also, they'd be like, hey, Jen, I'm renovating my bathroom. Do you have anything that I can, you know, design it up or, like, pop a color? Not help them. Select everything. So, it was fun. And I worked there for almost two years. And then I found out that I was pregnant with our daughter. <laughs> and then the whole and artisan. Then the sort whole of- artisan. Yes, I was pregnant with Grace. I, uh, we had her. We moved to the farm when she was 10 days old. I had every intention of going back to work at Rolston's um, until the rustic feather. Oh started. my gosh, Jen. Okay. So, <laughs> first of all, this is a really cool story. <laughs> Second of all, I want to bring our the attention for our listeners to a couple things. And maybe even to you haven't really have you haven't really considered this is that you know, in the world Mm-hmm. We are told that we are to get out of high school, yeah. decide what we want to do for the rest of our life, which P.S. is ridiculous yep. because what the hell do you know at 17? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. And so you're supposed to go out and then you're going to go to school to get education in that thing. And then you start working in that field, which the funny thing is that most people go to college, university, and then end up in a career that's totally different than totally what they different. went to school for, which shocker, of course that was going to happen. <laughs> but most people expect... And I think to even today still feel like the line should be straight, you know, like I, I decided I'm going to do this career. I went to this thing for school. I'm going to go and complete this. I'm going to go and get this career and I'm going to stay in it. I might bounce around in that career, but I'm going to stay in that career because that's what I decided to do. Mm -hmm. And instead, you know, I can really relate to your story because what I think is really cool about it is that. You just jumped on opportunities because they sounded really cool at the time, or it offered you an opportunity to learn something different, you know, sometimes making really great money. And you then got this really eclectic experience that, you know, when you think about all of those experiences, Mm -hmm. literally all of them are existing in the space that you now call the Barntique. Right. It's true. So it's so funny because I have this conversation with a lot of people (laughs) and, you know, it's like you don't have to follow any any path other than the one that's in you to follow. True. And there's never a mistake. 
No. I mean, you know, it's funny because you said, and I was not correcting you, but yeah. trying to say like, there wasn't a mistake in you moving to Hamilton. Like yeah. you, you know, you bounced around and were trying to find where you belonged and yeah. then ended up back where you came from. True. And it all led you, I have goosebumps just saying this out <laughs> loud. I just think it's so cool because we all seem to get in our minds. And actually before we were podcasting or recording this episode today, mm-hmm. we were talking about how like, sometimes we don't want to say all the things that we're going mm-hmm. through because, you know, we feel like we're alone and we're isolated in how we're feeling about ourselves. But at the end of the day, do you know how many people are going to listen to this episode and go, oh my God, I'm totally like that, right? I've done all these different things. Nothing makes sense. Nothing. But everything makes sense. True. That's so cool. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I really, you know, looking at it and actually saying it out loud makes you realize that, you know what, there's a reason why I went through what I did. Yeah. And there's still reasons why I'm going through what I'm going through. Because there could be something, you know, two years, five years, ten years down the road of what I'm learning today. Absolutely. So it's all, yeah, it, it, make, it makes sense. Absolutely. It makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. but You I want mean, everything to, to, like you said, like fit in that one box. And yeah, I never really had a plan. Yeah. But there's plans. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I think, though, you know, the more people that I talk to... Mm-hmm the more I find out that when they built their plans, they, it's almost caused the more anxiety because yeah. they felt forced to stay in this box of this plan. Yes. Right. That's it. And then all of a sudden, like you and I are, ve- we work very similarly. Yeah. <laughs> you and I, yep. Jen. Yep. Like I know when I started the buzz, um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before the episode. <laughs> when I started the Buzz Tour Company, when I started that, it was because I, I fell into Norfolk. Yeah. I, I stumbled on this place that was never on my radar. Yep. And I was in, at the time, a miserable job that I hated. And everything in my heart was like exploding about this place. And, mm-hmm. I, and the more I researched, the more I learned about this place, the more I wanted to bring people here mm-hmm. to explore it. And then every time I would bring people here to explore <laughs> it, they're like, oh my God, I had no <laughs> idea about this place. Right? But it kind of fell into my lap it wasn't something planned no and even as I went through developing the business I mean there were aspects that I tried to plan out but it's funny the more I tried to plan like down to the detail first of all it's not really like me to do that (laughs) it wouldn't work out no and then as soon as I would just be like oh okay my gut says do this I do this boom it would go amazing and in the first two years I grew the business 300 percent I know like right so can you you can relate to this 100 percent because I don't have a plan yeah. Every year I get asked, well, what are you doing this year? I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm doing this year, but I'm going to do it. Whatever I, whatever I decide I'm going to do, I follow through with it. And if it doesn't work, then how the hell do I make it work? Like I try to fix it. I try to figure out how it's going to work. You know, prime example is this building that we're in right now, the Maker's Loft, where I came up with the idea of having pop-up vendors every weekend. It was a phenomenal idea. It was a great idea and, and people loved it. But I couldn't give it my all. So to me, it didn't work. And I stopped it. Hmm. Because if I can't give you 100% or 110%, it, that to me doesn't work. Hmm. I need to give you my all. And yes, it's revenue. And yes, you know, you can make an extra buck. I would rather use it as a storage shed. Yeah. Because it's somewhere for me to put stuff in. Yeah. But I try to come up with these plans. This is what I'm saying. I try, I try to come up with a plan and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this this year and I'm going to do this. And every time I come up with a plan and I never do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it doesn't work. I have to go with my heart and my gut and be like, okay, that's it. This is going to work. 
I'm going to select my vendors based on how I feel about them. Yes. You know, you can make the most phenomenal product like and have tens of thousands of followers. But if you're, if my gut is saying that you're just not genuinely a good person, I need good people in here. Mm-hmm. I need people that are going to support and care 100%. To me, that's more important. It's not about money. It's not about sales. It's about whether or not you want to be here. You want to be part of this because I'm letting you into something mm-hmm. that is much more bigger than a retail space mm-hmm. for you to just to drop your shit off and sell and that's it and you're gone. That's not, not how it works. And I think that's why it works. I think that my vendors understand it. They see it. I think my customers see it. They understand it. Like getting to know me, I'm very upfront and honest. I'm very like carefree. Half the time I'm in my pajamas and hair all a mess <laughs> when vendors are stocking. But, you know, <laughs> lock them in the barn. That's how Jen rolls. <laughs> I don't know how many times customers have seen me in my pajamas because I'm like, oh, crap, it's 10 o'clock. Uh, I got I to gotta go flip the sign. Um, but it's just authentic. It's genuine. It's not a facade of... Hey guys, my life is perfect because it's not. Shit hits the fan all the time. You yeah. know, my daughter, when she was younger, she would run in the barn in her underwear and rubber boots all the time and be like, <laughs> oh my gosh. But that's part of us, it's right? It's part that's, of the character. It's just how we, how we, how we work here. Um, and I think that's why we have become su- so successful. It's not about the advertising because I don't do any advertising. Mm. I did a few radio ads and it costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I would rather put that money back into the barn of doing whatever. Mm -hmm. And I would rather just do whatever I feel is right. Whatever I feel works. And I think it's working. It it, it 100% (laughs) is working. So I just want to say too, like, you know, and I feel we're sort of in this new time in the world, right? Mm. The whole world has changed around us. The pandemic has changed everything. And I think some people are still running around, like trying to make it work like it did before. And it's not working anymore. And then, but, but we're sort of all in this you know, it's, it's like the in-between. I call yeah. it like the upside down, like in Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the upside down right now, Absolutely. right? And so none of us really know what we're doing. No. And what I, what I love about these conversations, and funny enough, you even said the word, say it out loud. When I say it out loud, I see yeah. how much I accomplished. When I say it out loud, I show other people what's possible. Yeah. And when we say it out loud, we realize that the conventional way of doing things yeah. is not for no. everyone. And if you're not a conventional person, if you don't operate that way, you can still see success, which P.S. I'm just going to say here (laughs) is a self-defined word. Absolutely. Okay. Because success has been sold to us. I'm going to go on my little pedestal here. (laughs) Success has been sold to us like it's dollars and cents in the bank. True. The more money you make, the more success you have, the more accolades you have. And to me, that is not success because I can make all this money and it can sit in my bank. But how good do I feel about me? How good do I feel about what I'm bringing to the world? And what I love about what you're doing is that you know, just like you said, you don't even need to do the advertising because out of your 120 some odd vendors, that, that's advertising. they're all doing it for you exactly. and you're celebrating and sharing what all these other people are doing. It's like exactly. this constant give and take, Constant, right? constant. And, and that's where I'm like, okay. And I say this to my vendors all the time. I said, I don't care if you have 10 followers, if you have a hundred thousand followers, those 10 people 
will share it with two people. Yeah. And those two people will share it with five people. And and it and it's just a snowball effect. And it's word of mouth that has gotten the bar antique to where it is. And the the community and the camaraderie of the barn. And it's the people. You know, I when I have my applications, when they open up, it it 100% gives me the worst anxiety. And I go through a phase of just like closing myself off. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me because I want to say yes to everybody. I want everybody to be a part of this. Um, but unfortunately I have a small limited space, not a small limited space, but I do have a small space that I have to figure out. Okay. This is where the business has to come in, but then also I need to not lose why I started this. Mm. And it's really hard for me. Because I want vendors to succeed. I want artisans to succeed in their business and learn and grow and create the passion and the fire that, that the Barantique is here for. Um, but I also want them to make money. And when they're making money, I'm also making money. Like, this is my livelihood as well. Yeah. So, but that's not my ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. My ultimate goal is to bring people here. And have them experience this. Mm-hmm. It's an experience. It is. And it's, you know, I, I have so many people that come in here and they're like, oh, sorry, I'm only buying this peanut butter cup. And I always, always, always say to them, do not apologize to me. Did you come? Did you see? Did you look? Did you experience? And they're like, yeah, I did. And I'm like, that's all I asked for. Mm. I don't care if you walk out the door and you go sit on the swings and enjoy the birds and the, the fresh, crisp air. That's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to experience. It's not, don't apologize to me because you're not buying. It's, it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's really not that. Yeah. You know, it's about creating an experience for people to enjoy. And I want to bring you in and just, just hug everybody <laughs> <laughs> and just be happy. And, and, you know, it's um, like when it comes to application times, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Mm. You know, I have, I usually receive anywhere between five and 600 applicants. Wow. And, you know, bringing it down to a hundred vendors is tough. Yeah. Like, and like you said earlier, it's, it's quite the process. It is a lot of creeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at en- engagement. I'm looking at your socials. I'm looking at, you know, you as a genuine person, like I'll, I'll creep you on Facebook. I will. I'll find out your name. <laughs> And I'll be like, are they, they posting some inappropriate stuff? Like I'm doing that, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not all about selling and, and creating a great product. I mean, it is, but yeah. Oh yeah. Like it is a, I feel like a creeper for months. Well, but it, but it, I mean, it is funny, but at the same time, it's like, um, you know, these artisans are an extension of your energy 100%. and they're an extension of the energy in the space that you're creating. Exactly. And if they don't fit, it's yep. like, I remember there were certain people that wanted to be on my tours when yeah. I was doing tours yep. and they would ask to be a part of the tour. And I'm like, you know what? Like sometimes it's really hard to tell people you're just not the right fit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I remember being almost harassed by a couple people yeah. because it, I didn't want, I oh, couldn't yeah. see us building a relationship because they just simply weren't interested in that. So that energy makes a really big difference in the experience exactly. that you're bringing to the table. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been ripped apart and I've been blocked and I've been, you know, and, and it, and it hurts me as a person because obviously you don't know me mm-hmm. and you don't know the, the true values of who I am. Um, 
it has nothing to do with your product, you know? And, 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 and like I said, like, it's hard for me to say no to people, but there's always a reason for that. No, mm. it's not just because you're not good enough. That's never the issue. No, I think that, Jen, I think what you're building is great. And I think, you know, I can't even imagine being in your position and having to select people. I remember even the first year you were telling me you had like well over a couple hundred applications, even that first year, I think. And just thought like that whole process and how how hard that and not everybody can win the spot, right? No, but but it's so tough. Yeah, but what I think is so cool too is that, you know, you're giving all these artisans and I love that you keep changing it up, right? Because not only are you making that new for the people that are coming to your shop, because now, hey, if you're coming from out of town, because I know you get people from all over all the place, over. right? <laughs> so now you've come into town, you've come to my shop, and you've experienced it as it is today. Well, in 10 months, it's going to be totally different, yep. right? It's and true. so you can keep, people can keep coming back and seeing something different. But in addition to that, the artisans that are here are getting this exposure yeah. that, I oh, mean, yeah. you get thousands of people through here, I right? Did. I did the, I did the, it's funny, because I looked back, because I was just interviewed for a, um, a magazine and one of the questions was like what's like how many people would you say that you bring in in a season and I can tell that because I can tell by my sales mm-hmm. well I can't tell the exact number but by sales and how many sales that we had we had almost 95,000 people last year holy shit yeah 94,687 wow that's a lot of people. And is that's just based on sales. That's not even based on foot nope. traffic. No. Nope. So like you could have there could be there could be an additional twenty five percent onto that that are just foot traffic. Yeah, because there's a lot of people you know, that didn't buy. You anything. get a carload of people that come, yep. one or two people buy something to make like I remember on the tours. Yeah. Right? I'd bring a group of whatever, nine people, twenty people. Sometimes a third of them would purchase something, yeah. sometimes everyone would purchase something, but like that's a lot of that's foot traffic. Lot. That's a lot of foot traffic. Jen, you should be so <laughs> I hope you're proud of yourself. It it, it took took a lot for me to realize I'm like, wow, actually that's really good <laughs> that is really good really good um and and this year was tough yeah this past year was tough and I kept saying like I'm like it's so slow it's so slow but the last two years of COVID were not normal yeah we're not normal um I felt that people really wanted to get out they wanted to enjoy the barn teak. they felt like it was you know big open space they could, you know, um, enjoy the country air. So people came. Yeah. And I probably would say maybe even 40% more of those last two years came than last year. Wow. Which I don't really know. Yeah. Well, I've talked <laughs> so, to a lot of small business owners too that are like, yeah, it's next to impossible to gauge. Even if you opened your business pre-pandemic, yep. during the pandemic was such a different time that if you did really well, you can't compare those notes to today. Nope. And if you were really busy before and then you weren't, like you, no matter what way you look at it, you no. can't compare pandemic years to no. post or pre-pandemic. Can't. There's nothing like it. So really, now that we're in this post-pandemic you know, time, mm-hmm. you're sort of, it's almost like you're starting fresh again. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, basically. Because you don't know what to expect. Although mm-hmm. if 95,000 people came last year, <laughs> I, I feel pretty good know, about what you have done. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but you really are like, I think this is the thing about being a small business owner. Yeah. And you know, yes, I think that, you know, you can look at, Oh, there are lots of drawbacks and there's lots of things that you have to Absolutely. do. And, and sometimes it's really draining and exhausting and yep. you're, it, it requires your everything, right? Everything. But there are also so many beautiful parts of that. And mm. it's this whole cool journey. And I think, think especially in your business you know you get to not only experience that journey but everyone you're bringing along with you gets yeah. a part of that and I think that's so cool yeah I think that um I, I kept saying and and actually Jen kept saying too last year she's we're all like it's like the first year mm-hmm. of being open because we can't we couldn't base the sales or we couldn't base what we've seen the last two years it was more back to 2019 pre-pandemic and I was okay with that at first it was giving me anxiety and I was like what's happening like you know like people don't like me anymore you know they don't want to come out they don't want to see me they don't want to they don't like the artisans that I selected like it's all me 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 right like what what did I do wrong and then I realized very quickly that it was just the times that we were in it's just what we're in yeah and I'm actually glad you articulated that because I think that like I mean I certainly felt that last yeah. year I mean I, I I won't go into my business we're not here for that but I think that there are so many small business owners that are are probably questioning themselves and yeah. what they could have done better yeah. in 2022 to make it work and and the reality is you know what <laughs> mm. we're all in a new place yep and it's, it's just pivoting. It's trying to figure out what's going to work. I mean, we're, we're in a looming recession right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You know, are people going to be spending this year? Are they going to be, you know, taking outings or, or doing all the things? I don't know. I can't say. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see when it happens. That's yeah. the only thing that I can say. I know that I, I can't guarantee sales. I can't be like, oh, you guys are going to kill it. You're going to sell so much because I do. I really don't know. Yeah. And, but I'm going to try my hardest to bring the people here hmm. and I'm going to do my best to, you know, make the, the experience and enjoyable for them. But we'll see. Hmm. We'll see. Because I think that, um, I think we're, we're okay because I've, I have never pushed the bar antique as just strictly shopping mm-hmm. as strictly retail. Yeah. Very quickly. I learned that this is an experience it's a venue. It is a place for people to unwind. Now that, you know, this year we're, we're adding the patio. We might not have the food working, like going yet, but we are working on the, on the liquor permit to have, to serve alcohol. Amazing. Right. And then of course, coffee and tea, because, you know, I'm going to need my coffee. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but again, like we built a patio and then we've, we have the swings and people just come and they like, they enjoy our property. I have people that bring their, their dogs and they're like, they stand outside and I'll see them standing outside with their dog and I'll walk outside and be like, you can bring that puppy in here. That puppy needs to come in because I have treats. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, you know, or you want to take the dog for a walk down the walking path or like go and enjoy the property. By all means, like our property is your property while you're on. Love our it. Property. I love it, Jen. You know, so it's, it's, it's nice because people feel like they're getting a whole experience and that's what, that's what anybody wants. Yeah. They don't want to go into a shop and just nobody talk to them, which I think is a huge thing. Yeah. 
Or it's like, hi, can I help you? Oh, I hate that. No, you can't help me. I am browsing. I know. Well, I will know what I want when I see it. I, I find, <laughs> and you know what? It's it's good because I don't hound you. And if you come into the shop, I say hello. I ask you how you're doing. And then I leave you alone. Yeah. You know, if you if you need me, then come and get me. But I'm not going to hound you and be like, or I'll be like, do you need a bag? Because your hands are full. <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, but I find that customer service is a big thing, and it's very, it's it's dwindling. It is. I don't know how many shops I go into, and they don't say anything to yeah. me, and yeah. then immediately I don't feel like I'm welcome. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big thing. I think if anything, like don't overdo it. Just be like, hey, I've you know, like don't attack me with your verbalism, and um, but. Just be friendly, mm-hmm. be authentic, and actually want to be there mm-hmm. and helping. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming and talking with me. Now, so that just to finish this off, let's tell people where they can a find you, yeah. and um, when they are when your application process opens again, yep. um, and how what you can give them as far as just a brief little yeah. introduction, how that works. So the Barntique is located at 1233 Turkey Point Road in Simcoe, but not in Simcoe. It's in a little village called Walsh, but it comes up Simcoe. Um, I'm eight minutes down the road from Turkey Point Beach, which is a highlight to many visitors. Um, my applications for fall and winter for artisans is to open up July 1st. Okay. Uh, for start date, September 1st. So that way I give them a little bit of time to apply and then I can go through all the applications and then I'll select. And then September 1st, that's when fall and winter. So everybody that's in the bar antique now for spring and summer might not be in for fall and winter. Got it. Right? So because if they sell a seasonal product, like say you sell swimsuits, you're not going to, you're not going to sell swimsuit. Well, you might to, you know, a couple snowbirds, but... <laughs> I mean, um, so then that way, you know, it gives an opportunity for vendors to also leave and be like, yeah, it wasn't my jive. How could people find you to follow you socially? Um, On Instagram, it's the Barntique Canada, the barn, the underscore Barntique underscore Canada. Well, we can tell people the reason that happened. (laughs) It's because unfortunately you got hacked on I Instagram. Did. I lost my account. Sucks so bad. But we're in the future now. So it's yep. there are underscores there, but that is the legit account. Yep. And are you also on Facebook? Yes, the Barntique. The Barntique on yep. Facebook. Yep. So the Barntique on Facebook. Yep. The underscore Barntique underscore Canada on Instagram. Yep. And then website is the Canada.ca. Wonderful. Yep. Thank you so much for being willing to tell us your story. And to share parts of your life, it means a lot, Jen. No, I appreciate you um, doing this and letting me tell my story. Absolutely. (laughs) Stories are meant to be heard and said out loud, right? Oh, yes. (laughs) So I want to thank our listeners for showing up again today to listen to this great episode. And I know that there were some takeaways in there for you. And, you know, I really want to highlight that the conventional way of living doesn't have to be for you if it doesn't feel right for you. You know, I think we're at a time in the world where it's like we're learning more than ever to lean back into what feels good for us, to lean back into our hearts, to lean back into our guts and follow how we feel. Because unfortunately, the lead, the world has led us into doing things because we should, because it's what they want us to, or because it's what's needed out there. And we're looking outside of ourselves to find where we're meant to be. But as you can relate to Jen's story, you can try several different things and eventually 
It is going to guide you if you are paying attention to what's inside you to give. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'd like to invite you to hit the subscribe button on this podcast so you'll be notified when the next one drops. And if you like this episode, please leave a review as it will help others to find this message. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at It's Me, Christine D. Or if you'd like to connect about being a guest on the show or talk to me about speaking engagements, please visit It's Me, Christine D. Thank you again, and I'll see you next time.